Donnie, bar the door. We do not need a deep swamp attorney general. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Saturday afternoons, usually 3 to 6. Right now I am starting after the postgame show of UGA basketball, and we are going to go straight through... Uh, President Trump's big uh, major announcement, he tweeted that he was going to have a major announcement today. He moved the time from three to four. I'm going to be on straight till five. So uh, we are going to listen to that, his announcement. And then after that, I will take calls. We can react to that, talk about it, see what he's saying uh, until five. But that's the four o'clock hour. Until then, I want to uh, address something that I think has been very superficially covered in the media right now, and that is the hearings of uh, Attorney General nominee William Barr. The fact that Trump picked this guy is the most damning thing I, I can, I've witnessed out of Trump because either Trump is uh is what he's painted as kind of uninformed and uh, seat of the pants. And I don't believe that. Or he knows full well, this guy's backstory and, and there's some reason to have him there. I mean, there would be really uh, no reason to have him there given that his, his story, which I'm going to tell you about. And what's even more suspicious, it goes beyond Trump to why the Democrats are stepping lightly around this guy. So the attorney general is uh, the top law enforcement officer of the land. Jeff Sessions just stepped down uh, in the role, and the Department of Justice reports to him. The FBI is in there, and Bill Barr was the attorney general from 91 to 93 under George H.W. Bush. So until Clinton took over— from the Bush White House, the first Bush White House, Barr was the this the sitting attorney general at the end of H.W. Bush's term. And he's in his just his education and back background are deep state all the way. He was recruited for the CIA, I think, out of college uh, at, at least. So he's quite young. And then he's been an attorney in various capacities, governmental and private ever since. But or not even actually ever since he had a dormant period, maybe the past 10 years, roughly. But what he did, there's just so many layers of what uh, of what he should be explaining in the hearings and none of it is coming up. So. I'm going to try to go through kind of the A list issues of what they should be talking about with this guy, including fishy deals he's been involved with and likely, if not absolutely provably, covered up from the BCCI scandal, the BNL scandal, that was an Atlanta thing, Iran-Contra, Ruby Ridge is the most egregious of the, of the scandals he has under his belt, his policy positions from a libertarian perspective are the worst. And even in his private practice, his clients, what he's defended, BP, nuclear power, 
all sorts of things. If you go through his resume, I'm not even judging that stuff, the policy positions or his private clients. I judge the scandals, and I want to talk about that at length. But the Democrats should be scrutinizing these things, questioning him about it, about his environmental views of all that stuff, to the extent he has to enforce uh, relevant law. And they're not. And I have to ask, why? Why are they not doing it? And and I can speculate. There's definitely some possibilities. One possibility would be that they know that he's a cover-up artist. And he already said that he would not uh, give out Mueller's report in its entirety. He'd kind of filter it or screen it or consolidate it or whatever. That, to me, is a setup to say, oh, he's covering stuff up. Give the Mueller thing new legs or get a new investigation going or uh, discredit the findings if they exonerate Trump, something like that. Or taint Trump by saying what uh, what a deep state fixer this guy has always been and what is Trump up to that he's hiring this guy. Why they're not saying it now might just be they want to be able to say it later. The best thing they could have right now is somebody who's so tainted that he brings uh, a whole new level of scandal, which Jeff Sessions did not bring. Now, Jeff Sessions is no libertarian. I don't agree with his policies. But I really, in in the same amount of digging I did on Jeff Sessions, I couldn't find anything that was screwy. Whereas with Bill Barr, I've been spending the last few days just kind of turning over rocks with this guy. And I I can only, in all the time I've spent, I've only just scratched the surface on these items. I mean, any one of these, if you researched thoroughly, you would, uh, I think, have some serious questions and wish that your representatives were uh, addressing them. So we're going to get to all that top of the hour. And let's see, for now, uh, I'm happy to take calls if, if you have I mean, I don't know how many questions I can answer about Barr because I haven't I haven't been able to go far enough down the rabbit hole to actually get conclusions. There's just so much there. Uh, but we can talk about that if you have anything to add, some insights. I, uh, I got a tweet as soon as Barr's name came up, a tweet from Johnny Cook saying, does, does this bother anybody? This guy was the attorney general during Ruby Ridge. So I went back and I looked into that and that scandal... There's so much to talk about with that a tragedy, um, and and he was really at the top of the pyramid then. So let's get back uh, as soon as I come back. We'll we'll dig in. Eight hundred WSB Talk. This is Monica Perez. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Saturday afternoons, I'm on till 5 today. Uh, The 4 o'clock hour, we are uh, eagerly anticipating President Trump's big announcement about, according to his own tweet, the humanitarian crisis at the southern border and the shutdown of the government. So we're going to talk about that 
he's going to speak, and then hopefully if he comes on on time, we will have time to uh, discuss it afterwards. So I'll be taking calls till 5. In this hour, uh, the 3 o'clock hour, I... I I think it's absolutely critical to talk about real issues. And we have so much 24-7 cable news constantly breaking their own arms, patting themselves on the back for being the the authentic news. This is when um, my kids do research in school. They're always taught nowadays that authority is the greatest litmus test of accuracy. And so they are driven to, the example was CBS News versus Guy Never Heard Of website. And for me, especially with the BuzzFeed story, my producer Binkley is here. He was all over it. I was all over it. it I tweeted it directly to Binkley immediately because he's so tuned into anonymous sources being such crap that as soon as I saw that BuzzFeed story that anonymous sources said that Trump directed Cohen to lie to Congress, I was just laughing. And um, Binkley, I don't even think you saw it, but you were tweeting the same thing at the same time. Yeah, I thought it was. I was like, that's <laughs> ridiculous. It, yeah, it's going to go nowhere. Uh, uh, and But it's going somewhere. It's just there's nothing to it. Yeah. So this these are the great authorities. And... But what they're really masterful at is actually even worse, in my opinion, than this false reporting, or it's a part of the false reporting, is that that stuff is this massive distraction, this emotional, personal soap opera that keeps our eye off the ball. We are, and I know people are like, we're not a democracy, we're a republic and representative republic, whatever. I get it. But the fact is whether democracy is just used as an opiate to keep people on their couches or what, they care what we think, and they're getting us to think about stuff that isn't true and isn't important. And and even within the context of the attorney general hearing being important, because the attorney general has the power to uh, to investigate or not investigate, to cover up or expose crimes. And when William Barr was the attorney general under Bush— uh, it now I I'm telling you I was overwhelmed over the past couple of days trying to get to the bottom of any of the threads I was pulling with this guy. It is absolutely should be uh, addressed in the hearings. I don't want to slander the guy. I don't want to say he did things that he's got a perfectly good explanation for. But there are a lot of unanswered questions about this stuff. One of the things was he was an extreme advocate of uh, of the pardons after I ran Contra under Bush. So a lot of people got off the hook, did not have to go to trial. We didn't have to find the full truth about that. Uh, supposedly, he uh, stonewalled the BNL investigation. It's the Atlanta headquarters of an Italian bank that was at the heart of what was called Iraqgate, which allegedly, and, I, and maybe even is in absolute evidence, the Bush White House was funding Saddam Hussein's weapons of mass destruction uh program up until the invasion of Kuwait. And one of the things Barr talked about in his hearing this week was that he himself had uh, uh, appointed three special prosecutors. Well, one of them was a toothless special um, magistrate or something, uh, Judge Lacey, who absolutely buried the BNL case, said there's no reason for an investigation. So we don't we haven't gotten to the bottom of that. And and that is put at Barr's feet. 
there's there's numerous other things, but they, we should be. This is why it's important who this guy is. And even if he doesn't have anything to cover up, the fact that he has such a long history as a cover-up artist, as a fixer, or at least the reputation of that, puts Trump in jeopardy by association. So he brings this guy in, there's an investigation against Trump, and Barr is known as the fixer. They're, they're sloughing it off during the hearings, which is absolutely uh, dereliction of duty, but they might be doing it strategically so that they can come back later and discredit everything that's happening now. And and that's my one of my big concerns. So one of the things they did was uh this this the to get back to the media who can uh, direct your attention to the wrong things. I believe that there's something very fishy going on here. I predicted it as soon as I heard about it. Uh bar Barr met, supposedly, this is the story, Barr met with Trump in, in 2017, and Trump asked him to be his personal attorney, and he said no. Now, Barr was in retirement until that point, so I don't know why, or at least off the radar. There's no record of what he was doing. Uh, so I don't know why he would do that. But then in 2018, for some reason, he writes this bizarre, unsolicited memo to Rosenstein, Rosenstein saying, uh, I don't know any of the te- facts, but Mueller's wrong. You know, something <laughs> provocative like that with 19 pages. I mean, that's a lot of fodder. And this is a guy, it's not believable to me that he wasn't on Trump's radar for the top lawyer job in the country because he was on his radar for something. So I believe, now, what do I know? But I believe, and as I see the story unfold, it, it, I predicted that this would happen. So, of course, that, that supports to me my theory that that memo is a red herring or was there deliberately as a decoy just like with Kavanaugh, the Blasey Ford story came out, unsubstantiated, uh, could be read either way, and it get, got people off. Repu- conservatives should have, or Republicans should have hated Kavanaugh because Kavanaugh came in after Miguel Rodriguez left uh, the prosecution investigation of the Vince Foster case with a, a memo addressed to Kavanaugh, among others, saying the conclusion, this was a guy inside, the guy who was doing the investigation of Vince Foster, uh, saying that that the conclusion of the Vince Foster suicide was not supportable for the following reasons. So Kavanaugh came in, and what do you know? The Vince Foster suicide finding uh, stands, and Kavanaugh did away with all the objections. So that should have been a prime problem Republicans had with Kavanaugh, and it should have been a subject of the hearing because Kavanaugh was claiming that he was completely uh, above board. He would never compromise himself for political reasons, and that at least he should have been questioned about that. And he wasn't because everyone was up in arms about Blasey Ford, everybody's crying, blah, 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 and that's all the media is talking about. And in this case, Barr makes the same claims. I'm the most above-board person you could possibly ever imagine. I'm 68. What could I possibly, you know, but when you're this deep in the deep swamp, you are at their bidding. You don't have, you're 68, you still want to live. You still want your kids to do well. You're, you're maybe the most vulnerable. And to really, so so I would say just the fact that they're trying to get to this guy's credibility bar with respect to the Mueller investigation, he, 
they should bring up these issues just as a as a factor of whether he's credible that he is going to go by the book because he's not. And I'll tell you one thing that absolutely destroys his credibility, in my opinion, is what he said about Mueller. So, Binkley, if you would uh, play clip five for me, and then I think we should play it again. It's super short, but let's first play it, and then I'll tell you tell you something about it. Go. All right. This is Barr this week. Under the under the regulations, Bob Mueller could only be terminated for good cause, and I frankly, it's unimaginable to me that Bob would ever do anything that uh, gave rise to good cause. I can't even listen to that with a straight face. It's <laughs> yeah. unimaginable to him. But let me tell you, he doesn't have to imagine it. It's real. It's real. <laughs> and I did a show on it, if not more than one, or at least addressed it at length in a show. I Just off the top of my head, I can tell you, Mueller was in Boston when, uh, when events occurred that led to $110 million government payout to the victims of Whitey Bulger for having given Bulger cover over that time when he was committing a lot of murders and that and Mueller was uh was held accountable for that in his role as the local was he the local FBI head it is off the top of my head but he was implicated in that he was absolutely implicated in uh or led the charge in a fraudulent or bad faith anthrax investigation, which led to the government paying out millions of dollars for his misconduct. The Lockerbie bombing, look into that. That was also Mueller. And that guy, uh, I don't, he got out because they said he was sick, but I don't know if he was exonerated who went to jail for the Lockerbie bombing, but that was a fishy story. And there's more stuff about Mueller, but Mueller had several payouts for wrong action as a government so so Barr doesn't have to imagine it Barr is in that boat too and so is Comey remember Comey uh falsely identified the Ramsey racist as a racist (laughs) (laughs) the guy was probably racist um the Ramsey rapist as a teenager and uh the government had to pay out for that that was Comey and Barr was at the top of the pyramid during Ruby Ridge and the government had to pay out several million dollars for that. So these guys are all and and I'm really getting too I'm getting ahead of myself here. But I will say that uh, Barr had similar things to say about Larry Potts, who was later disgraced an FBI uh, bigwig who was in charge of the rules of engagement that led to the Ruby Ridge tragedy and uh and Barr went to the mat for him Barr went to the mat for the sniper who shot vicky weaver in the head went to the mat and that guy lived to survived as a sniper to go kill people at waco so this the this the rab there's so many rabbit holes within rabbit holes that uh this these hearings should go on for months and i'm pretty sure they're not going to but i've got more i've got real policy issues with this guy i'll get to after the break 800 wsb talk this is monica perez monica perez now there is a president who may have been elected but the real man in charge lives several miles underground on news 95.5 at am 750 wsb We are back. 
I want that clip. Can you replay clip five, Binkley? I played it. The audio uh, went out on it. Here it is. Under the, under the regulations, Bob Mueller could only be terminated for good cause. And I, frankly, it's unimaginable to me that Bob would ever do anything that uh, gave rise to good cause. It's virtually impossible. Like, I cannot barely bring myself to ever call somebody a liar. But it's, uh, it's unimaginable. So maybe he means I don't have to imagine it. I've seen it happen. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> you know? Or maybe he thinks all those things are just to him. That's not good cause. I mean, it is, it is absolutely in evidence. The government has paid out for Mueller's bad faith action as, a, as an agent of law enforcement. There's no yeah. question he does bad things. He's it's like not... the smoking man from the X-Files. The yeah, Mueller, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, or maybe Barr is that guy. Yeah. But he's definitely uh, – it's so, – so when I went back and I was listening to all this Ruby Ridge testimony because I wanted to get to the bottom of it. Because in the current articles that I've been reading, it's like, oh, Barr didn't know anything about it, whatever. I found congressional testimony from September 1995 that where the, the FBI, the, assist, the deputy director of the FBI, Douglas Gao, was saying how he talked to Barr the night, the first night of the siege, and Barr was already familiar with what was going on. So... So current reporting is wrong. And then when I went back and I was watching so much of this, uh, I was just fascinated by the hearings. That was a long time ago, as I've read many articles that have been written since then, and some of the real facts have come out. It's clear that those some of those guys who were testifying were lying and they lie with such a straight face. I mean, it's almost like the definition of a politician is someone <laughs> that it's hard to tell that they're, that's yeah. like impossible to tell. And in normal life, I don't know. I mean, I think it's really hard for normal people to just lie, you know, just lie all the time with a straight face. And that's what I think is significant. So, so all of this that I've been digging out about Barr, and then I hear this nonsense, this awful question that they ask, uh, People who, well, let's let actually. I don't think we have time for this clip. Let's let's get to it after the break. People are in the habit of asking. It started with Stacey Abrams, actually. Then Gina Haspel, uh, and now Barr. What would you do if the president asked you to do something illegal? Which to me is a really, uh, it's a very disrespectful question. I mean, people talked about Obama being disrespected. If you said that about Obama, you would have gotten absolutely uh, beaten up because it's such a disrespectful question. But something you tweeted me or texted to me, Binkley, took that to a whole nother level. So we'll read that after the break and, and we'll see what Barr's answer to that question was after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. She's an anti-Terminator Terminator on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. This is Monica Perez. Uh, we are talking about uh, William Barr being nominee for attorney general by Trump going through hearings, which I consider to be an absolute sham. They're letting him get away with this image that he is a absolute straight shooter, just a concerned citizen, and absolutely uh, so much integrity and uh, good friends with Mueller, who also has a lot of integrity. 
And I have to say, sadly, tragically, uh, I have to not only throw out Barr and Mueller, but I have to uh, throw out, I don't know, I, I can barely say it, but Judge Napolitano, my favorite wow. yes, person on mainstream media. Until, well, I mean, he probably still is. I mean, it's like even if he's a limited hangout, he's got such great stuff. But he was on – he's often on Outnumbered on Fox, and he said that he knew Mueller uh, – he knew Barr from way back, and he was uh, – he vouched for him. Napolitano was vouching for him, was supporting his claim bar that he was retired and only doing this out of the goodness of his heart. I mean, it's if if Napolitano, he's no fool. And if he's going out of his way to actually vouch for the guy instead of saying, I don't know, I, I mean, he's got to be held responsible for that. And Napolitano was so great when he had a show really it was like his last hurrah we wonder sometimes if he was taken off the air because of it he said that he he did an expose which also the new york times did to their credit that the 90 percent or more of terrorist plots are fbi creations they're in not i mean i don't know how you define entrapment these days but that they were for sure not uh they were Involved FBI people. So, and that reminded me of this guy in Cummings who got arrested for having White House uh, plans. He bought his arms for whatever he was plotting against the president or was about to buy them, his weapons from uh, government operatives. And I just, I always wonder about that stuff. If they, if they target, I think Napolitano had said they target mentally weak or vulnerable people. And anyway, so Napolitano, I don't know. I'm worried about him. But but so in the hearing, they asked Barr what they asked Stacey Abrams, what they asked Gina Haspel. It's an it's just such a tacky question. Uh, what his Jim Mattis moment was and Barr, we've seen, has done all this stuff, all this uh, these cover ups, dirty dealings, all that kind of stuff. I mean, he's never going to have a Jim Mattis moment. But this instead was his response. Let's hear clip six. All right. A number of my colleagues on both. Yeah, clip six. A number of my colleagues on both sides have asked, and I'll bet you'll hear more questions along the line of what would be your breaking point? When would you pick up and leave? When is your Jim Mattis moment when the president has asked you to do something which you think is inconsistent with your oath? Doesn't that give you some pause as you embark on this journey? Uh... It might give me pause if I was 45 or 50 years old, <laughs> but it doesn't give me pause right now because uh, I, I, had, I had a very good life. I have a very good life. I love it. Uh, but I also want to help in this circumstance, and I am not going to do anything that I think is wrong, and I will not be bullied into doing anything I think is wrong. I don't know, man. Yeah. I think that you could, if he was a witness on the stand, you'd say, oh, really? Because I've got a list of 10 things that I'd like you to explain. So I, I myself, Monica Perez, does not want to be the judge 
and jury for this guy. I want my representatives, who I pay handsomely, to ask him pertinent questions that go to his credibility on stuff that they're only they're really only trying to probe him for credibility with respect to the Mueller thing. All that other stuff discredits him, and if he's got an explanation for it, they should give him an opportunity to clear his name. Anyway, so, oh, but yeah, so they asked this crazy question. What if Trump asked you to blah, blah, blah? And then you totally one-upped it with the text you sent me about another headline. Read it. It says, Jack Dorsey has no clue what he wants. A Q&A with Twitter CEO on right-wing extremism, Candace Owens, and what he'd do if the president called on his followers to murder journalists. That's the Huffington Post. That's that's the question. When yeah. I've interviewed a couple of people, I interviewed Ron Paul. I can't believe I missed that question. You didn't open with that question? <laughs> then, of course, see, this is the thing that drives me crazy. Then Trump comes out. So that actually that story, you sent it to me right away. But it's all over. Like, if you look for that story right now, you're not going to get that story. You're going to get all the reactions to that Jack Dorsey thing. It's all over the news now. I don't know if you noticed that. But uh, but so Trump. Then yesterday, whenever tells everybody to what did he tweet it to send a brick to Chuck and Nancy? I just saw the CNN headline of it, so I'm not sure what exactly he said. Yeah, but you it have was absolutely like no idea if it happened or not yeah. because it was a CNN headline. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but he didn't say throw a brick at Chuck and Nancy. Yeah, he didn't say it, murder them with a brick. Yeah, it was beautiful ambiguity as usual. It was, you know, another brick in the wall, I presume, <laughs> was what he was going for. So anyway, plays right into it. But I want to, uh, there's actually something topical I want to get to before we, we hear Trump make his big announcement at 4 o'clock. Uh, is that, I, I believe yesterday, I believe, was the uh, Rights Life March on Washington, which uh, is a is happens around the anniversary of Roe versus Wade. It's, a, it's uh, Roe versus Wade took the cho- the right to ban abortion away from the states. So it's they kind of created a right to privacy in the Constitution, um, and people go to protest that ruling. I think. This march, there's a women's march today, I believe, that you have highlighted as being coincident with like a communist um, anniversary thing. But I, I can't help but think that it's meant to get people there to to uh, have conflict with the rights of life people to overwhelm them or whatever. But you actually there's some developments. What was what is the communist holiday? It's like Marx's birthday or something. It's Vladimir Lenin's birthday on the 21st, which is uh, Monday. Roe versus Wade is the 22nd. Yeah. So it could be both things. And I want an update on that. I just want to button up the Bill Barr thing with uh, real real policy issues I have with this guy that conservatives should absolutely not like. And Justin Amash, way to go, buddy. He's uh, he's a, him and Thomas Massey are really, I mean, they're, if you want to really know what's going on, um, as a libertarian or even just what was a traditional conservative position in this country, the American experiment, go to Justin A. Mash's Twitter feed, or I don't know if Massey tweets as much, but 
Amash has been tw- tweet- tweeting about Barr since the get-go. He Barr loves asset forfeiture, which is where the government takes your property before you are convicted and you have to fight to get it back. It's a terrible, terrible program. Uh, Barr does not uh, – he thinks the FISA court does not have enough power that that you shouldn't have to have probable cause in going after an accused agent of a foreign power. Now, if Trump – you know, Trump or Flynn or Manafort or Cohen, if any of these people are considered agents of foreign powers, right? Isn't that what the implication is? There doesn't need to be probable cause to pursue them. If they're proven agents of a foreign power, well, that's after the fact. So that's weird. Uh, he, he, he said, I believe in this set of hearings, not the first one, but this one. Yeah, that... The most important thing to do for gun control, which uh, I don't think he has a major problem with, but he said the number one thing is that you have to be able to take guns away from mentally ill people, like just like you do for felons. And for me, I loved um, a tweet. The name is at the name is Pliskin, I believe. He pointed out to me a psychiatrist, famous philosopher, thinker, professor, well-known libertarian, I should say, not famous, Thomas Zaz, who pointed out you should not use lose your liberty like uh, to be incarcerated or um, forcibly committed or your arms taken away, which is a loss of liberty, without a jury trial. Why do people accused of mental illness have fewer protections than people accused of violent crimes? So Barr wants to put in place a mental illness out that you lose your arms. And that, another psychiatrist, just a regular guy I was sitting next to at a wedding, was like, hey, always worry about mental illness statutes because the mental illness textbook is so big. Nobody's, like, mentally perfect. Every single person has a diagnosis under that book. And they, they, anyone can, they can get anybody for it. And that, um, so Zaz says it's like a way to control society. It's very serious. And I don't like that about bar. Uh, anyway, I'm just encouraging people to dig into the bar nomination. I'm sure he's going to get put in place. I mean, well, I should say I have no doubt, but maybe there is. Uh, and let's, let's talk a little bit about this March Binkley. What, so there were some new developments, were there not, that you were trying to bring Well, on? it was new in the media. Let me make a quick correction. It's actually the 21st is the death of Vladimir Lenin in oh, his okay. official official communist but it holiday. Has, it does have – it's like a celebrated yeah. holiday. Okay. So the Women's March, the, the story in the news has been that the movement is falling apart. They're losing their partners left and right. Uh, even Alyssa Milano has separated, separated That's herself. That's amazing from the, to me. The Southern Poverty Law Center has separated themselves from the movement. And it's all because of the organizers of the march, the co-founders, not just their associations with, but their admiration of Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan, you know, who once publicly called Hitler a great man. I don't even like – I don't want Farrakhan quotes. I don't like them. I just don't want to even hear it. Um, I just – it's – he's playing into – I don't know what his story is. And I don't know what those people, why they would not distance themselves from him. I don't know why he still has a position of prominence when anybody else wouldn't. Uh, so, but here, but I think the takeaway for this is 
these people, the leaders who, the leaders of the march, whatever, who may even take their marching orders from him or at least support whatever role he's playing in the great dialectic, I don't know, they are are the ones, the very same people who were telling voters to not to vote for people even if you don't like that person because we're telling you to vote. And you and I, Binkley, have warned people against that, played clips of it, mocked it. I want I have to take a quick break, and then I want to talk about uh, – I want to play that clip of, of how they were controlling sheeple to do their bidding, and they're associating with this guy. Uh, and hopefully I'll get to a couple of calls before the Trump thing. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Wait a minute. This is the future. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. you got to join these organizations that are going to keep you up to date, keep you informed about what's happening. Because you can't act if you're not informed. Mm-hmm. I don't move until somebody tells me to move. And that's what you need to do. you got to stay informed, but you got to be ready to act quick. Uh that was was uh, that Linda Sarsour? Yeah, that was the wrong clip, but that yeah, was Linda just, Sarsour. That's right. It's not the wrong clip. It was fine. But also play clip one. Right. In the general election, what we're going to do is we're calling it a collective vote. Mm-hmm. Put your politics to the side. Put your little feelings to the side. Vote for black people. Vote for undocumented people. Vote for incarcerated people. Vote for Muslims. Vote for refugees. Vote for immigrants. I don't care about you like this one. You don't like that one. In November, you got to do the right thing, and you got to join us at the Women's March and all of our allies who are here today for a collective vote that we should have took back in 2016 mm-hmm. so we would find ourselves in this mess. Mm-hmm. So that's where we go in as a Women's March. Collective vote. All right, so I, I have, like, no time here, but that's Linda Sarsour, right? Yes. Has she distanced from Farrakhan? No. She refuses. Okay, so all the people who, all the sheeple who are following her orders, which we outed the minute we got our hands on this a long time ago— now are starting to see that what they were marching for might not be something they really believe in if there is anything left for them to believe in. I'm going to give away a prize pack, and then let's see if we can hear from the president. Uh, We have a family four-pack of tickets to the Atlanta Gladiators Star Wars night, Saturday, January 26th at Infinite Energy Arena. Tickets are on sale now at atlantagladiators.com. You can call 404 is it 751-0750? I believe so. Or 800-WSB-TALK to get that prize pack. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Evil does seek to maintain power by suppressing the truth. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We just heard from the president about his proposal to end the government shutdown with a uh, variety of measures, including... The wall that he wants, $5.7 billion, which is what he was asking for all along. But he's got some, uh, he was offering some concessions. Not terribly new either, I think. Uh, Certainly some DACA relief is something he's proposed before. He, uh, if you want to respond to what he said, I want to have a conversation about this after the break. You can call 404-872-0750 or call me at 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. His uh, other, so basically he said he wants almost a billion dollars in urgent humanitarian assistance, almost a billion dollars in drug detection technology at points or ports of entrance. Now, if that has any kind of biodetection data, I'd have to, uh, capabilities, 
I wonder if it's more just about controlling all of us than just controlling drugs. I worry about that with the wall in general. Uh, he wants more border agents. He wants to reduce the backlog of court cases and a very big what's next immigration reform. He wants comprehensive immigration reform before he's gone. So let's do that. The calls after the break. 800 WSB Talk. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. No, never give up. Never surrender. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB. Saturdays from 3 to 6 is my normal slot, but I move around uh, to make way for UGA Sports. Today I'm on till 5, and I moved around a little bit today to make way for President Trump's announcement on his proposal to get the government uh, completely open to end the government shutdown. I'm not sure there's anything terribly new in his proposal he asked for $5.7 billion for a physical barrier, which is a wall. He asked for almost a billion in urgent humanitarian assistance, almost a billion in drug detection tech to secure ports of entry, more border agents reducing the backlog of cases in the courts, protecting migrant children. And he offered in return three years relief to 700,000 DACA recipients and three years relief to temporary uh, protection, protected status. Uh, And he did suggest comprehensive immigration reform, which you got to wonder what is really afoot there. But anyway, it looks like what he was what he was doing was really just making it clear where it stands negotiation wise. I'm not sure it's a negotiated position, but he's just thrown it out there. And the Democrats have to respond. Now, I think I've always thought that they should have done it that way first. There are 12 appropriations bills. It's really correct for them to do them individually. They don't. But they should do each appropriation bill separately. Eleven of them would get to Trump's desk for signature. The 12th one, which is Department of Homeland Security, which controls the border and has the would be where the wall would be, has a $50 billion budget. Unless it is more than 90% already earmarked for specific purposes, they don't actually need this. He's just asking for an earmark for the wall. That's what this is. If they don't, if they have any discretionary income there, they could do it anyway. It's totally legal. Congress already passed the authorization for the wall. Uh, They should have just put those appropriations bills on his desk and he would have won in the end. Anyway, maybe that's why they didn't, but. They could have shown that he was the one who was stonewalling. And that, I think, is what he is doing now. Let's take some calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to go to Kim. Hi, Kim. You are on with Monica. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. I think Trump's speech was, I mean, he was using it to restate basically what's been on the table. I think those are all very reasonable offers. And I think, to me, and I want to know what you think, doesn't this sort of, by kind of putting it together in one big package in this speech that it sort of puts the Democrats in a corner now that people, I mean, it's really starting to affect a lot of the shutdown and stuff that, and it, I just think it puts them in a corner. What do you think? Yeah, it makes it, it certainly makes it crystal clear that they're saying no, their options then have to be a counter proposal. That's a compromise position or uh, a complete stonewalling, which means what are they really trying to get? 
it will expose them for not doing anything but being totally obstructionist. And I think right. that's what it makes what, them look bad. Yeah, that's what he's after. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what they do. And I think the next. Oh, I missed the next caller. But um, all right. Let me let me keep going with the calls. Thank you, Kim. I am going to go to Robert. Robert, you are on with Monica. Hi, Monica. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm great. Um, I love your show, by the way. Um, uh, my idea, and I've never heard anybody else come up with this idea, but what if we just said, okay, you don't want to give us money for the wall. Uh, we'll just pay for it, whoever, whatever American citizen wants to donate money to build the wall, can build the wall, and Trump could donate quite a bit of money since he's got a lot of money. I'm then... so glad you said it, put it just that way, Robert, because my mother has been saying that for a while. And you said you never heard anybody say it. And I was telling Binkley, my producer here, <laughs> that my mother said that. And he told me there's a GoFundMe site for it. Isn't that oh, right, okay. Binkley? Isn't there a GoFundMe site? Uh, yeah, I have heard there was like $20 million. Yeah, I guess but, they didn't make it okay. up, and I was thinking about it, and of 50 million voters, doesn't that mean $100 for anybody who voted for Trump, if they each sent 100 to that GoFundMe site, assuming the GoFundMe site is legit, they uh-huh. would, you know, they'd have the money. Right, yeah. I guess I was doing the math a little differently. I thought there'd be about 100, yeah. 100 yeah, so million. That but, would work. Um, and and for, But, but for... Robert, the actual fact is that the Department of Homeland Security has a $50 billion budget. They could just uh-huh. build it. I don't know why. You know what I mean? If that if yeah. they should just build it, it's already been authorized. There is uh-huh. there is wall up there. So I don't know. But uh, we shall see. Thank you so much for the call, Robert. I am going to Tim. Tim, you are on with Monica. Hey, Monica. How you doing? Good. How are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm fine. I listened to the president's address. And it's more of the same nonsense. I mean, if we all just sit down and, and let go of the politics for a minute, we'll understand that this wall is not a factor. This wall isn't going to change anything. And for him to hold the entire the entire United States hostage over over something that is it is of well, a non-factor. Let's it is talk a about it because I'm not I'm not conservative. I'm a libertarian, and libertarians can have legitimately differing views on how to handle immigration in a centrally controlled, unfree society like we have. In a free society, it's clear there's no you don't build a wall. But we have an unfree society, so libertarians can debate it. So you you say the wall is nonsense; it won't solve anything. Why? Okay, according to the, the to the actual government statistics. Last year, they stopped 400,000-something people at the southern border. Okay, that's a lot of people. Nearly 800,000 people came through illegal at the northern border. Um, the how many came through people, illegal on the southern border? So they stopped 400, but how many got through? Again, we can, we can assume that to be anything. But just like we can, if we're going to assume, okay, a billion got through, we can assume a billion got through that they didn't stop on the northern border. But that's my point. Uh, the vast majority of people who are in this country illegally are not people who came across on the southern border. Right. The vast majority of people here are people who overstayed their visa. Yeah. So if mm-hmm. we're going to be honest about the debate, if we're going to make these points honest points, then we should make them honest points and not try to vilify. And I'm not, and I'm not one of these open borders people. I'm a veteran. Uh, I'm a, you know, I, I do I try to live the right way. I try to do all the right things. But we need to be honest about what we're doing. And if we're going to try to make this wall about or, or try to have our entire government held hostage 
over this wall, then we at least need to be honest when we have the discussion. Yeah, so what's it really about? These BS numbers, it, it, we're not being honest about it. He's not being honest about but it. But what is the honest answer? Really, like, I'm... I want to know what you're because I, I agree like the way even the machinations are unfolding here, the fact that it's shut down. I just said at the beginning of this segment, they didn't need to do it this way. Congress could have passed 11 of the 12 appropriations bills. And then the 12th one, any way they passed it, she could have carved out five billion to build that wall because she's got a 50 billion dollar budget. So I agree. There's a lot of like theater here. But what do you think is really going on? The, when he made his speech today, some of the things he see it. Having more immigration, I mean, having more immigration judges at the border, having more live border patrol agents, having more more technology to help handle the border. Those are things that are practical. Those are the things that are tangible, and those are the things that that can make a difference. Those are the things. If if we were to to have people there, have people physically there to to deal with the issues that come, because I lived in Arizona, I went to school in Arizona. I know when people, the vast majority of people that come are people who get come across the border illegally and find border agents and turn themselves in. They're not being snuck across the border with mules, and that happens sometimes, but people cross the border, they find, and then they look for somewhere to turn themselves in. They turn themselves in, they go through the, through the process, and then they're, they're hoping to be released. That's the way the process works. If you had people actually there, if you had real, real processing centers there yeah. where you could process cases, where you had judges right. who could hear cases, you could adjust, adjust, adjudicate them in real time, as opposed to doing the catch and release thing or lying to people, talking about all of the, you know, all of the foolishness that they're doing to scare people into believing this wall is necessary. All right. So here's uh, I'm with you in that. I believe I don't think the wall is really the answer or the problem or, or addresses the real problem. I look at I'm a hardcore libertarian. I want every I don't I think the government works against us on purpose. I think there's no way for us to come together. That's my position. However, I cannot deny that, for example, uh, the FAA air traffic control has a nearly perfect record for 10 years. They can make commercial U.S. jetliners are as close to perfect as anything could ever be in safety. And that is a government operation. I am loath to admit. But the reality is. If everybody's on the same page with the goal and the policies are clear, the government can make it work. So I think that with the resources, whatever it is, the reason it fails is that people aren't on the same page policy-wise. So that is what my problem has always been with the wall. Yeah, I mean, I believe in fences around private property. And if we're not allowed to have absolute control over our own private property, you push your – that fence is – is a proxy for a fence around your private property. I'm not saying it's inherently immoral, but it's not going to solve the problem if the policy is the issue because there are gates in those doors, in in those walls. And what's happening in Europe has nothing to do with securing the borders. It's all about policy, which is just where we would be if the wall got built. That's why I'm with you in being skeptical that that's not the real issue. But, But... why do you think they're doing uh, – we have to take a break, so I'll give you 30 seconds to just say, what do you think is the true purpose of this theater that we're witnessing? The, the whole thing of – well, first of all, we know it's about, about his, his political campaign. We know it's about the promise that he made on the, uh, on the campaign trail. But somebody needs to be honest, even those people who, who are Trump supporters, and be honest and say, okay, I appreciate the symbolism of it. But the symbolism isn't a physical wall. We need to but, get past the symbolism and start addressing you. things that are not physical. With this, is that the Democrats are also playing games? My my producer Binkley here has got so she so they could uh, 
the wall was authorized by Congress. They really should fund it. And and I have to take a break right now, but I am going to thank you so much for the call, Tim. We're going to keep uh, responding because Binkley's just dying to say uh, – to chime in on stuff that he's that he thinks from the Democrat point of view. Thanks so much for the call, Tim. Uh, 800 WSB Talk. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. It's all real. Oh, my God. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. That was a great call by Tim. And uh, I'm just uh, going to let Binkley respond with one minute, and I'm going to take another call. Pelosi rejected that before Trump even gave the speech. So this was about public perception. I think Trump is trying to signal to the public that the Dems are to blame if some sort of event that can be blamed on the government shutdown were to occur in the coming weeks. And you actually you were noticing some weird things at the airport and surrounding the Super Bowl. So be, be careful out there, Atlanta. That's all. Just be careful out there. I want to give uh, Maurice a chance. Maurice, are you on? Uh, can you hear me? It's Monica. Yes, I can. Right, hey. What you got? Um, well, you know, I think that Trump has all along known he could build a wall, you know, via a uh, national emergency, et cetera, et cetera, and that there is funding within the military budget to do that. So uh, there's multiple reasons you know, he's mostly doing this particular phase, it seems to me, to show that the Democrats are not on board with anything semi-rational. Um, and uh, But I, the other thing that's going on in terms of what I think he might be doing is that if the, the uh, you know, the shutdown lasts more than one day, they can start furloughing people. So basically, if this scenario is true, it could be used as a way to uh, reduce government and essentially get rid of people that Trump thinks are actually a thorn as opposed to a help. So are you saying that he wants – I'm not 100 percent sure I follow – that he wants this to be rejected so that we prove that the government – can run with one arm tied behind its back? Well, uh, yeah, that's part of it. That's why he was talking about it being uh, – it doesn't care how long it lasts. But, I mean, the uh, he may actually use – because there is a legal thing that, uh, that designates that they can remove people after 30 days. Um, so he could actually use it as a house cleaning wow. measure. Um. They do have to notify them, right. and I suspect they haven't notified them at the beginning of this. So it, this 30 days is coming up tomorrow or the next day or so. So he could send out notices to people at that point, and then there would be some other duration. I think so that might backfire, though, because all the remaining people – well, I mean, I'm not sure people stay loyal like that, but – the word could go out to slow walk or whatever. Like they, so some airports, so all the airports that are federal, some of them are totally fine, and mm-hmm. uh, and some of them are complaining of problems. Why? I, and I think that there's been suggestions that the that they're they're told to make it make the impact felt 
by the public and that there there could be some of that. Uh, but, right you know, we're um, we're out of time. So okay. <laughs> thank you for the call, Maurice. I am. We got to wrap it up. I am back next week. I wish I knew what time. Maybe Binkley knows. We're back next weekend. And uh, if you do want to hear our shows uh, when I think it's four, I think we're back at four on next Saturday. Uh, if you want to hear our shows in the meanwhile, go to propagandareport.libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, and you should be able to get most or all of our shows with a little blurb and all that. And uh, Or you can go to iTunes for the Propaganda Report or Monica Perez Show. Thank you so much, and talk to you next week.